Hello, everyone. You're listening to Say No to Tyranny, Say Yes to Barbecue podcast. We seek to flood the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water covers the sea. Habakkuk 2.14. How's everyone doing today? Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, We ask that you subscribe and follow our podcast. Please tell a friend about this. Uh, We would really appreciate that. We can now be found on iTunes and Spotify for easy listening access. This podcast is all about glorifying God in all areas of life. Christ is king and ruling over every square inch of the earth. Therefore, all of Christ for all of life. Um, today we have a, a guest by the name of Ryan Muncie, and he is running for sheriff here in Wells County. Um, I'm going to read Ryan's About Me on his webpage so we all get to know a little bit more about him. This is what Ryan says. I grew up on a hog and cattle farm in Southern Wells County. Learning to work hard has been invaluable for helping me be successful with my family and career. I graduated from Southern Wells High School in 1996. I then pursued and achieved an associate degree in criminal justice from Indiana University. I've had the privilege of serving the citizens of Wells County for almost 20 years, almost 19 years as a deputy sheriff and one year as a reserve deputy sheriff. I also served as a field training officer for 10 years, training new deputies. I have been married to Lenny Huffman for Muncie for 19 years. We have been blessed with five children. Our family attends Roanoke Baptist Church. Ryan, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you uh, doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So uh, you're running for sheriff? I am. In Wells County? I am. I know a lot of people here in Wells County who are really interested in this race. Um, When you announced, a lot of people I saw on social media um, and people that I have talked to came to talk to me. I went and talked to them. Like They are really looking at this race and they all know that having a strong sheriff in the times that we are living is key for our county and every county. The sheriff is one of the most powerful positions, if not the most powerful position that anybody could be elected to. They hold the most power. So therefore, the times that we're living are, to say the least, interesting times and difficult times. And when the government whether it's federal or state, it seems like more and more, or even local, more and more people are not trusting the government and they're looking for an overhaul in the government and they're looking for people to rule and to serve them and to watch out for their constitutional rights. And so the sheriff race in this county, I think is going to be closely followed by a lot of people. And I guess my first question to you is, what made you say, hey, I am the guy who needs to run for this position and I need to take that kind of responsibility on my shoulders? Well, first of all, <clears throat> yeah, thanks for having me on. It, it, it's never been my personal goal to be the sheriff of Wells County. Um, I've always enjoyed serving the citizens, just you know, going door to door and face to face and, and being out there on the street. Um, I like people help, helping people solve their problems and, and serving our community in this way. Um, I did run for sheriff once in the past due to some other another tough time that our department is going through, but I'm not doing this for um, the next step in my career rung. Um, again, I was perfectly content where I was at. Um, so I'm doing it for our community and for our department and for our time. Um, so 
you know, there's there's both internal and, and external reasons why I decided to throw my hat in the ring um, issues on both sides. And, you know, I felt like, you know, I've got almost 19 years full time on um, and I feel like that I'm in a position maybe for such a time as this um, with everything happening um, in our country that I wanted to offer what I had and, and give the, the citizens a choice. Well, what specific things would you say that when you say that you want to serve the community on some things that are going on and that are happening, what specifically are some of those things? Well, you know, one thing is is the morale of the sheriff's department. That's that's an internal thing. Um, that's that's a very critical thing, and um, you know the community might not quite understand that unless maybe you were prior military or or you know some some people might, but um, morale is important because the deputies are out there um, doing their jobs and they need to know that the department has their back. They need to know that they can make decisions. Um, good decisions, you know, based on common sense and common respect and decency for the citizens they're serving and be supported. And I feel like um, several guys have, have mentioned problems with the morale and they don't feel safe and secure where we're at right now. And again, so that affects their ability to just go out and do the right thing. If they feel like, okay, I'm not sure my department, you know, or, or what is this policy? What policy might I be violating by trying to do this? Their main goal should be, how can I um, solve this problem, help this citizen without being um, over run by policies so you what you're saying is is a lot of deputies are feeling micromanaged to the point where they're going to screw up somewhere so therefore they don't want to they're, they're kind of scared to act in the first place because they know they'll probably violate some protocol absolutely and if you look at the um i mean the media out there what they've what they're portraying law enforcement as right now i mean there's officers getting arrested for making split second decisions that they didn't know the the end of it you know there was a there was a female officer that recently drew a taser and or a, a firearm instead of a taser and um she made a, a horrible mistake for sure but she she her intent was not wrong and and she she was she was reacting to what a suspect initiated by trying to flee there was an officer possibly going to get dragged in the car there was just different circumstances there and so those kind of situations put officers on edge like you know they don't want to be on the news if 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 something like that happened in our county they'd be on so many news channels it's not in the middle of detroit or one of these big cities where those things more commonly happen i mean and they're concerned about coming home to their family at night about getting sued about being arrested and so they need strong support within the department so how do you stop that if that's the media's narrative if that's their agenda to, and it seems like it is to be against law enforcement it's the federal government's agenda to fund the police it, I mean, it just seems like that's the narrative that is being pushed through our living room TVs every night. How does a sheriff of one, count, of one county, like, what can you do to stop that? Just have the officers back and let them know, hey, listen, we're going to have your back and you're supported from the top down regardless of what happens in the media or what more can you do with that? Yeah, you, you can't over policy your department. Okay, every department needs policies. We all we all know that. You need guidelines. Every job needs guidelines. So those you have to have some policies, 
but you have that the emphasis needs to be on doing the right thing, on responsibility, on treating the citizens respect, taking the action needed, but once that action is no longer necessary, backing off, you know, some general guidelines. But again, every situation, there's officers getting shot by just stopping to help a, a motorist they think's got a flat tire and they didn't know it was a stolen vehicle or whatever. So those are the kind of things that you can't plan for. That's the thing is law enforcement is so ever-changing in every call we go to. So policies are, are a big issue right now at our department. You know, um, I'm going to back up just a second, and I think it's, uh, it's important to say, uh, I know, I've known you for a long time. I, we've never probably had a really close relationship. I went to school with your wife, but yeah. I, um, we, we've known each other, the name, and, mm -hmm. and we've talked on occasion. But one thing I do know about you is you love Jesus Christ. Absolutely. And you live for him, and he is the number one thing in your life that you are unwilling to um, ever compromise on. I mean, to the you, best you, of my ability, by correct. the grace of God. Yes. Right? yes. And so your faith is very strong. Yes. And, and it's what drives you, and, um, and it's, it's what makes you get up every day and you want to live a day in a life that is glorifying to God and that is faithful. Yes. To you, to your family, and to this community. And, you know, your bio really didn't hit much on that, and I wanted to touch on that a little bit because um, I think a lot of people know that about you. I think that's the character that comes out when you bring up your name. Um, and we've done that with people that I've talked to and even people my wife has talked to um, about you and uh, just about every time they say, man, that, that, that guy really takes his faith seriously. So praise God for that. And I wanted people to know that because I think that is very important whenever you run for office, for anything, any government office. If you're going to rule, you got to be able to rule your household first. Absolutely. If your household's out of control, you can't rule anybody else the bible says talks about it that. does doesn't it yes. and that's just not for church government elders and deacons it's also for civil government and you know and it's common sense too if you think about it yes. if you can't control your own family raise them rightly and and keep them in line how are you ever going to do that to anybody else and that's Correct. the that's the you know the reason why it states that in in scripture and and so having said that say we go through this election and you win, okay? And on the news, it has your check mark by your name and it says Ryan Muncy victorious in the Wells County Sheriff race. Then you do a ceremony and you put your hand on the Bible and you raise your right hand and you swear that you will uphold the Constitution. What does that mean to you? Up swearing to God or affirming to God that you're going to uphold the Constitution that you're asked to do? Well, you know, the first thing to know is that is that you know, I, I do hold the Bible above the Constitution. The Constitution is a great document, and it was put together by people who also had a, most of them had a relationship with Christ, if not, or, or at the, most of them had a relationship with Christ, but they all had a, a respect for God, even maybe a few that weren't as, as strong in their faith. And I think when you, when you take that oath to uphold the Constitution, you're saying, based on the original intent of the people who started this country and put this Constitution together, and in the Constitution itself it mentions God and our Creator, 
I'm going to do these things honoring God in the best way possible to serve these citizens and, and respect their rights. So there's been a lot of discussion on social media, and you're not on social media that much, so I don't know if you've seen this or not. But there's been a lot of discussion on social media here over the last week or so of two thoughts. One is it's the sheriff's job to uphold the Constitution and law, and or it's the sheriff's job to uphold solely the Constitution and to d defy bad law. Where do you fall on that? If, if, if somebody, if, if there's a law that is brought down from the state house, is that your duty by what you just swore to uphold that bad law, or is it your responsibility and your duty to defy that bad law? If it's a bad law that is not constitutional, then it's your job to follow the Constitution. So, um, okay, and, and, and so having said that, um, we're going to get into some things, but I want to play a little clip here, and we're going to discuss it when, um, when it's over. So, government increases and the inaction of state government continues. The need for county government to take action continues to grow. And we have a great story for you about another county that has brought interposition. The federal government has been saying over the last few weeks, we may bring gun registration. Well, Newton County, Missouri, little county in Missouri, gathered their board together and created an ordinance declaring that their county would not obey any federal government edicts which infringes upon their citizens' Second Amendment right. This is the interposition of the lesser magistrates. It is their duty to stop the evil of the superior authority when they do wrong, and that's what Newton County, Missouri is doing. This bill that they passed prohibits all federal laws and policies from being implemented in their county that infringe upon their citizens' second amendment. They are protecting their citizens from the evil of the superior authority. But the ordinance they made goes beyond that. It says that their sheriff can arrest federal officials who try to implement the federal law in their county. And it prohibits any law enforcement officer from being hired who wants to uphold federal law which infringes upon their citizens' Second Amendment rights. This is massive. This is greatly needed, very important. Here we see it. They are defending their state constitution. Here's what the state constitution of Missouri says regarding Second Amendment matters. That the right of every citizen to keep and bear arms, ammunition, and accessories typical to the normal function of such arms in defense of his home person, family, and property, or when lawfully summoned in aid of the civil power, shall not be questioned. The rights guaranteed by this section shall be unalienable. Any restriction on these rights shall be subject to strict scrutiny, and the state of Missouri shall be obligated to uphold these rights and shall under no circumstances decline to protect against their infringement. That is what Newton County is doing, upholding the state constitution of Missouri against federal tyranny. All right, so that was uh, Matt Trujillo, who
Uh, he's the author of the doctrine of the lesser magistrate, and that was on defytyrants.com. So I know that happened in Missouri. I know that's what the sheriff did in Missouri. But you know what? That is a threat to Indiana as well. Federal government overreach. And Absolutely. And one of those areas, and there's many, but one of those areas is the Second Amendment. So in the Indiana State Bill of Rights, section 32, it says this, the people should have a right to bear arms for the defense of themselves and the state. So Ryan, what would you do if federal law or state law decides to infringe on the Second Amendment rights of your constituents? As a sheriff, would that be one of those laws that you would say, hey, I'm obligated and it's my duty to uphold or is that one of those laws would be considered a bad law that you would not enforce and you would protect your uh, your residents yeah that's an easy one i mean no it, we are guaranteed our second amendment rights um i would do it i i would would do what i could as the sheriff to protect all citizens of wells county's rights to keep and bear arms um, i would fight against any law um, from the state or federal government to take away firearms um, for, for no excuse. And we're not talking about a serious violent felon who is you know committing crimes, that kind of stuff. We're talking about just the basic blanket, turn in your guns, register your guns, those kinds of things. I, I am totally against that stuff. And as a sheriff, you have the power. So when we talked about earlier about the sheriff being a very powerful position, you do constitutionally have the power to tell the federal government that that is not going to happen in this county. Do you agree with that? You know, the more I'm learning about it, it appears that the sheriff is, um, that's in his realm. Um, there's a lot I need to learn about it, but again, I, I'm, I am excited to learn how we can, we can come together as a community and protect our, our local rights. Okay. So um, um, as you're learning about it and you're learning about the position, there's a lot of things going on right now. Like this is not an easy job for anybody. Like there's a lot of complicated things in there. And, and there's a lot of uh, problems that are not simple solutions. But the solution can't always just be more laws. Correct. Um, the solution sometimes has to be more freedom. Yes. Um, and, and so I went on uh, my Facebook page and I just simply wrote, hey, I'm going to be doing a podcast with you, and what questions do you want me to ask him? And these are some of the responses I got, uh, the questions I got, and I would like for you to respond to them. Sure. Sound good? Yes. Would you enforce edicts or mandates from the federal or state government to shut down or regulate church gatherings? That's easy. Absolutely not. So that happened. That happened here a year and a half ago, two years ago. The yeah. governor came in and shut down churches. And if you were sheriff, would you, what would you what would you do if you were sheriff at that time? Like, what would that look like? Would that look like a public announcement? Would would you not say anything but just not enforce it? Like, how strong would you be on that? Um, you know, I, I my goal is not to be a conflicting person or just an obstinate person. Um, everybody's human, um, and everybody's life has value, born or unborn. Um, but you know, I guess I would, I guess, you know, depending on how big of an issue it, it would be if, in a situation like that, if, if the government, um, you know, says that, you know, we don't want anybody, you know, I, I guess I respected or I gave, gave them the benefit of the doubt the first two weeks of this COVID thing that, you know, we're all shutting down, we're staying home, we're going to flatten the curve. Um, 
I felt like that was reasonable. After that, you know, our freedoms are more important after that. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I felt like at that point, maybe it's time to come out and say, you know what, you know, the governor or whatever doesn't want you to get together. But, um, you know, so do what you can to keep yourself safe. But our, our freedom to, to gather, to peacefully assemble, to express our religious um, views and, and worship together, it trumps that. So if you feel safe enough to get together to do that, then you do what you feel led. But that that's very important. Yeah. So I guess, um, I, so let me ask you this. Do you think the governor, according, and I, you might not know, but do you think the governor, according to the Constitution, has the authority to do something like that in the sphere of the church government? Like, do you think the civil government has the authority to tell churches how to run and how to even like take communion and things like that or do they have no um rule no authority over that whatsoever no matter what i don't i don't see how they do have the authority um you know the constitution says congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble um, everybody at a church service service is there because they chose to be there. Um, I, I think it'd be wrong for the sheriff or the deputy, deputies or anybody else to try to tell them how to worship. Again, they're there on their own free will. You know, with COVID, I mean, it just changed a lot of things. It opened a lot of people's eyes. It kind of pulled the curtain back, I think, a lot on some of the governing officials that we have in our state. I mean, at a federal level as well and at a local level. Um, and so having said that, so you would tell your deputies, Hey, listen, we're not going to go do license plate checks at churches. Absolutely we're not, not. We're not going into these churches and tell them they can't worship here no. because the governor says so. Correct. Do you think Christians who would not listen to the governor in that would be in violation of Roman 13? Could you restate the question? Uh, so, uh, we got a lot of pushback on... Um, from from the Christian faith, um, from other Christians, that we violate Romans 13 when we don't do what the civil government mm. tells us to do. Well, you know, I, I actually wrote that down because, I mean, Romans 13 is obviously in the Bible, but it says on 13.4, for he is God's servant to do you good. Amen. And when the, when the government is no longer doing you good, there's a time where you need to put god above the government yeah. and and so if the if and i feel like that's one of those most precious rights we have is to worship as we choose yeah and you know that's so good and so in that what you just read so the government really has very limited duties on what god is calling them to do and they're calling god is calling them to rule in the fear of him and this is how you rule rightly god lays it out in second samuel god lays it out in romans 13 and uh, the thing is, is that if you are a governing official, you are to honor God and his law. And, yes. and so we, we, I said earlier that it gets complicated and it gets messy and it gets muddy. But in reality, if we just keep it simple and reward the good and punish the evildoer, it yes. becomes pretty simple at that point, yes. doesn't it? Yes. If you win the sheriff's election, is that going to be like your verse that you're going to rule with is punishing the evil and rewarding the good 
Well, you know, I'm not trying to create some kind of theocracy in the sheriff's department. That's not my goal. <laughs> However, you know, again, like you said, it's it's pretty simple. Um, you know, that that I don't have a big agenda if I become the sheriff, which is interesting because, I mean, a lot of people have this big agenda. My agenda is to preserve the freedoms afforded in the Constitution and let the people live out their lives within the the. the course of reasonable law you know they yeah. can't go in and be shooting thing people up or right. what you know sure. the, the common sense stuff yeah. but you let people live their lives raise their children um and you just want to say this about covid too because uh, some people you know some people kind of fall on one side or the other i i'm not denying that there are illnesses out there that I, i'm not denying that people lost loved ones and that's that's sad that, that that's happened um and and I respect anybody to do whatever they need to do to keep themselves safe, you know, whether it's wear a mask, whether it's get the injection. Um, but again, we have to we have to all live together in peace and we can all choose to go out or not. There's so many options to order online, order groceries and pick them up from your car. There's so many things. Um, get DoorDash from your geese. Uh, there you go. There you go. Just saying. Just saying. <laughs> Uh, you know, you're, you know what, you're right, I, I, and I feel the same way, and I've always felt the same way. It's up to the individual's right to, to take care of their own health. It's, in the, it's, it's up to the family, yes. you know, for your kids, to protect your kids. It's not the government's job right. to protect yourself or your family from a virus. That's, just, that's overreach. That, that's the government being too big. Yes. Um, and, and so, having said that, you know what? If you want to, if you want to get the vaccine, that's great. Get the vaccine. I know a lot of great people who got the vaccine. If you don't want to get the vaccine, then you know what? You don't get the vaccine. Just give the people the freedom to choose, and don't take that freedom away from them. Because at the end of the day, personal um, bodily autonomy, when it comes to health issues, trumps what the government wants you to do, what your employer wants you to do. I mean that that those freedoms right there. I think I believe trumps anything like that. Like nobody should be forced to get a vaccine if they want to work. Correct. You know, I agree with that. And what would happen? This is off the cuff. What would happen if there's a vaccine mandate go statewide, and an employer here in town are forcing enforcing that, and an employer doesn't want to take it? Is there anything the sheriff could do to step in to? To, to reel that in? I'm not really sure there is. Um, you know, you got to know your boundaries there. Um, I think that would be more of a legal matter. I, yeah. I don't know that the sheriff could really step in and do anything in that case. And I don't think that it'd necessarily be healthy because, again, we don't want sheriff department going in everywhere. Absolutely. That's another realm of government, and you want to keep them yes. only when you need them. Yes, or, it's not a dictatorship. Or, right. Yeah. No, Correct. That's good. That's good. I've been, these are some more questions um, I, I, I was asked. The red flag laws. So let's talk about this for a second because, you know, I fall probably under the impression and my opinion is that they are a violation of the Constitution in the sense that you don't get a trial before you, you um, get your guns confiscated. So First of all, explain what red flag laws are. Do you, do you have a good definition of those? Well, you know, it is a little convoluted, but basically um, it's laws that have to do with people who are 
considered dangerous people. Um, Indiana Code 3547 14 1.5 and then uh, following explains kind of the process. Um, you know, and, and there's two things that comes back to uh, when you're talking about these kind of things. When I when I saw the red flag law stuff in the news, I also had great concern because my foundation is to preserve the rights of people to keep and bear arms. I mean, that's where that's where I start. Um, and you know, government is only as good as the people that we elect to serve in it. So that's why elections are so important. Um, but you know, it, it talks about a process where you know, if someone is is deemed to be dangerous, and it gives definitions of all this, um, then their firearms could could be temporarily seized. It's a temporary thing. It's not a permanent thing. It never is permanent? Um, not to my knowledge, unless basically I, I, there might be a whole process. Again, not all of this in, involves me directly. It involved the court system because yeah. the court's involved in this. Um, so yes, I have my own concerns about it as well, but but there are parts of it that are, that are um, helpful to help save lives and it has saved lives. I, I personally witnessed it save lives by being able to take firearms away from people who who are so overwhelmed with parts of their life that they, they wanna take their life. And so I'm a little torn on this again, although my foundation is, is concerned that this doesn't get abused. So let me ask you this. So again, in our Bill of Rights, Article 1, Section 11, the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable search and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrant shall issue, but upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the person or thing to be seized. So the problem I think a lot of people have with the red flag laws is that it violates they believe that it violates that part of the bill of rights of an indiana and and i don't believe you need to have a warrant you you can just get a phone call with a reasonable threat it's not quite that simple. In fact, um, in the second section there, 3547.42, it talks about warrant to search for firearm in pose possession of a dangerous individual. So there is warrants involved. Again, it's the only most immediate situations where you may you know, deal with the, the warrantless search of a firearm um, under 14.3 there. Um, so again, I, I think it's good to read the law and know what it says. Again, I do have my concerns about it. I see both sides being in the law enforcement field. That That's key is I do see some of the value in it. But again, I have some of the same concerns you do. So say my neighbor, say my dog goes over and does his business on his yard and he gets mad. And he calls up the sheriff department and he says, listen, Matt, he's crazy. I mean, look at his social media post. He talks about, he talks about uh, defying tyrants and he, he uses language like war and fight all the time. Would that be enough to trigger the Wells County Sheriff Department or any sheriff department, even if they have bad sheriffs and bad deputies in it, would that be enough to trigger them to come over to my house and seize my guns? No, I really don't, do not believe so. I know it would not trigger me because what we would do, first of all, or what I would do is I would first talk to the person who called in. Secondly, I'd say, well, what evidence do you have? Then thirdly, I would go to your house and I'd say, hey, I'm just curious what's going on today. And I would get your side of the story. And again, if it doesn't add up, you know, then the probable cause isn't there. 
Okay. So you walk away. Have a nice day. So the red flag law does not violate probable cause in any way. I don't believe it does. If it if it's um, applied correctly, again, you always you in every profession there could be people who push the limit, who do things. You know, we see our federal government government has done that done that. So we um, again we need good people in government to who can lead their department to make appropriate decisions and there's two so i want to i want to just kind of question that a little bit so there's two ways of doing this yes we need good people in government and two is that our founding fathers knew know that there's really not any good people in government that's why they (laughs) wrote what they wrote they put in all these checks and balances so i don't know if it's possible to have enough good people in government to make sure that they are following laws and not bending them mm-hmm. in a way that takes away people's rights, um, violates the, their constitutional rights, their bill of rights. Like, I, I don't know if that, it, I don't think that fix anything because I, I don't think there's enough good people out there that, that um, could change the government to make it a good government that, you know, sees the laws like we see the law. They're always going to see the law that, in the way that benefits them. And what benefits the government right now is they want to get bigger yes, and they want to yeah. grow and they want us to get smaller and they want us to get weaker. And so you come to a law like the red flag law and they can abuse that thing all day long by the way it's written. You know what? I, they can interpret it different than the way you interpret it. Um, well, I, I feel like, again, there's some checks and balances. It, it talks about a, a hearing within 48 hours. Um says, you know, under, let's see, 354714 warrantless seizure of a firearm from an inv- individual believed to be dangerous. Um, and then it talks about, uh, okay, if a law enforcement officer sees a firearm from an individual whom the law enforcement officer believes to be dangerous without obtaining a warrant, the law enforcement officer shall submit to the circuit or superior court having jurisdiction over the uh-huh. individual. Uh, believed to be dangerous and affidavit describing the basis for the law enforcement officer's belief that the individual is dangerous um and this should be says be it should be submitted to a circuit or superior court having jurisdiction over the individual not later than 48 hours after the seizure of the firearm so within 48 hours that judge needs to have that in front of him of why they seized that firearm um the court shall review the affidavit described in the subsection as soon as possible. Um, now, again, is there always, could there be a judge that says, yeah, I'll get to it next month. You know, right. I mean, like you said, I mean, we, we live in a fallen world. Yeah. And, and so you're always dealing with the fallacies of man. Yeah. <clears throat> so having said that, um, you know, so you kind of got to put the red flag wall up with the section... Um, uh, 32, the people shall have the right to bear arms for the defense of themselves and the state. And it's no secret that the federal government specifically wants law-abiding citizens who own guns. They don't want them to own them anymore. They want them. They there want are the definitely guns. people in the federal government that feel that way. And That's it, for sure. And, it, you know, over the last few years... You know, every time there's a school shooting, every time, you know, they, they try to pass more legislation. They, yes. They're trying to incrementally just take that right away from us. Yes, and, I uh, agree. And, and so that's the concern that I have with the red flag laws is I think that could be an avenue of which 
um, the government can abuse and just start making up things, having people get called in. I remember when this COVID thing started, it got to the point where they, uh, where they were encouraging, and I'm not sure if it happened, I think it might have happened in Indiana. But I don't know if it really happened in, in uh, it happened in, in my restaurant, I guess. But what I guess I'm saying is, is they're encouraging neighbors to call in on neighbors. Yeah, I think that's rotten. Yeah. That's rotten. And, you know, because they know if they can break down the community, yes. we just become weaker and they become stronger. Absolutely. And that's, that's kind of my same concern with the red flag laws is they could encourage neighbors turning on neighbors and therefore they're the, instead of loving your neighbor like you're we're called to do yeah. we're turning on our neighbor and we're actually watching their constitutional rights their bill of rights be taken away from them just from a phone call and i'm not saying that's happening today i'm i, I don't know i haven't really looked into it that much but i i do know that that is a lot of people's concerns when it comes to the red flag laws. again i i have the same concerns yeah. I, I really do but working in the profession i have seen the value side of some of this as well so i there, there's a struggle there with me like you know how do we accomplish our job of keeping people safe that are just going through a time that that's going to pass if we can help them through that and taking something away that they threatened um, you know, to, to end their life with versus, you know, going, right. letting the government go too far with it. Yeah, no, that's good. So let me re-ask this question now that we have this discussion. Could the red flag law get to the point where you see it being abused and at that point, because of the abuse from the government, you would um, stop enforcing it and having your deputies not enforced anymore due to the government clearly overreaching in it and it become evident well if i was the sheriff i would make sure that we were not overreaching i would make sure that 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 would be how we would enforce this is that if someone is a danger to themselves or someone else and they're threatening a firearm to do that those are the situations where we may have to get a warrant or whatnot to follow the legal process but i would do everything i could to to again protect those law-abiding citizens um, who are just you know living their lives and maybe have a neighbor that doesn't care for them. Yeah. And then you make a great point. You know why you're well, you're going to be sheriff of Wells County. Correct. You're not sheriff of the federal government. Correct. You're not sheriff of the, the state of Indiana. So what you're going to do in Wells County is what you're telling me is that even though the red flag laws, you're kind of conflicted on you. If you get elected as sheriff, you are saying that we will never ever use that in any way, shape, or form to violate anybody's rights for the sake of um, government overreach. Not on my watch. All right. So I had a question. Um, this this question came actually from a federal police officer, and he was wondering. And I, for some reason, I don't know if I wrote this down. Oh yeah, it's question right here. Would you allow federal law enforcement to enforce federal laws that? I guess we already answered that. Violates the Second Amendment. I thought that it went into some COVID mandates and stuff as well. Um, where are you on that when it comes to enforcing uh, COVID mandates and, and vac vaccination passports? Absolutely not. Um, there's no sense in, in doing that. I, I believe it's unconstitutional. Um, yeah, I, I'm against it. Um, Again, I, I respect, you know, personal businesses to do some limited things, you know. I mean, 
And that I'm a little, you know, there's there's a little bit of of gray in there. You know, we appreciate if you have surgery, if your surgeon wears a mask yep. and he's not dripping his snot in, you know, as right. he's doing, you know, sure. there's some common sense and 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 that kind of thing. Um, but I, I I believe it should be a law in the state of Indiana that that you cannot force your um, employees to get it get the injection. I mean, because I mean, I thought our our health um, our health, I guess, record was private. And all of a sudden, anybody can come up and ask you if you have the injection, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, that's another thing is, is this, this, these shots that they've came out with, they're not even vaccines. They're um, therapeutics, okay? Um, they're admitting that they don't prevent you from getting the disease. It just lessens. It. In fact, the CDC, to my understanding, changed their definition last September of what a vaccine even is because it used to say that it basically kept you from getting it, and now they've changed it. So now they can still call it an a immunization, but yet it's truly not. The, not in, it's not in the way that we all think of. No. Even the people getting that are transferring the disease. So we're all on the same page here, whether you have the vaccine or not. So yeah, to enforce some kind of a COVID law or mandate, that's that's just ridiculous. I would not do that. So let's uh, shift gears here a little bit and let's uh, talk about the sheriff's department itself, okay? I've had some people come and ask me, what, like, what happened to the reserve program? And why aren't there any reserved officers out on the streets anymore, going to games, doing security, what they used to do? What happened to that whole program? Well, you know, I'm not in management at this point. So um, I sometimes decisions are made that, you know, we are not told all the reasons for. Um, I know they did. I'm not sure how long ago. It's been several years now that they did away with the reserve program. Um, I know just some basic facts about the reserve program is the prosecutor at the time um, did not want to reserve to make arrests. Um, in other words, that mean, that doesn't mean they couldn't have detained someone who was out of control or let's say had a weapon. They were allowed to detain them, but then a full-time guy would come and take over. So they had limited powers. Um, they could have made arrests if the prosecutor was okay with it and the sheriff, but that's just the way our prosecutor wanted. And, and he kind of holds that reins. He holds that position. You know, if he says someone's not getting charged because of this situation, whatever, that's in his hands. Um, another reason we need good prosecutors as well. Um, so, um, and there, there's two sides to that too, and, and I'm definitely open for discussion on that. I, in fact, that is something I want to look into as the sheriff. I feel like even if whoever went, you know, we have a prosecutor race in Wells County, regardless of who, who is the prosecutor after this year, um, you know, I'm going to work with them and, and, and see what their thoughts are on this. But let's say the prosecutor says, no, we don't want to make an arrest. Well, that limits what they can do to a point. But I still think there's assets, the we, ways we can use them. They can be an asset to our county. They can still um, increase officer presence. There's still more manpower. They still have more training than the average person out there. But yet, you know, there there is a training deficiency. They're, you know, required the same yearly training as a full-time officer but they don't go through the academy. You know, I went through 15 week academy to, to get where I'm at. And there's a lot of things. And, and the other thing is, is 
you know, reserves don't get paid. So for a reserve to make an arrest or get fully involved in a lot of things, all the reserves pretty much have other full-time jobs. So now they get called to court, they're not getting paid, and they're getting pulled away from their paying job to go testify in court for free. Right. So there's a lot of tricks. So, so you know, generally reserves aren't working for, you know, they're not gonna work 40 hours a week. There might be work, 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 work maybe a night, a weekend, or, or during the week kind of thing. So there, there's some limitations, but again, I'm, I'm definitely going to look into that. I'm going to talk to the guys. If I'm the sheriff, it's, it, you know, there's so much information and, and there's so much um, abilities and skills in our, in our department that you can, you can di- go in that well and, and, and say, hey, what do you guys think and come together and, and help work this out. Yeah, as you see crime becoming out of control, um, I'm not saying that's necessarily happening in Wells County. You know better than me on that. But as you see it on your TVs, as you see riots, as you hear about all these murders, as all these robberies, like I think residents here in Wells County would like to see a bigger sheriff's presence. Um, and I think that's important to them because they do care that their property is going to be protected. Absolutely. And, you know... They don't want to be the ones having to protect that property unless they absolutely have to. Correct. So um, I think that people would really support rebuilding that de- uh, reserve deputy program. Um, if you would do that or look into it, I think that'd be an asset for our community. And that's just what I'm, my own personal beliefs, but it's also what I've been hearing from people. And I've also been hearing that, you know, there could be a program that the sheriff puts in place that could get them better training. That that could, you know, that the sheriff could say, listen, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna have the best trained reserve officers that any sheriff department's ever seen before in their lives. And they're going to be trained well, and they're going to be out, and they're going to have a presence in the rural areas. And so that the people out in the country in the southern uh, part of the county where a lot of the break-ins happen, you know, they would feel a lot safer just from talking to some people down there. And so I, I would encourage you to look at that. Um, I think that also um, from talking to some people that you should really press the prosecutor on allowing them to have arrest powers because if they're trained well and they go and make an arrest for say rape and you take that charge to the prosecutor and he won't prosecute it, that falls on that prosecutor, not on the deputy, not on the reserve deputy. It, it does, but again, there's some give and take there because even a situation just like the, the crime of rape, um, there are certain people, that would be a detective call. Even a full-time guy on our department would transfer that call. He would go to the maybe the initial call, but he would call in a detective. But in that sense, even possibly a reserve could do that right? and yeah, transfer yeah, that that's case. That's true. So maybe that was a bad example, but... You know, whatever the case may be, if there's a slam dunk case that the reserve deputy that has had the best training that any Wells County reserve deputies ever had, um, because you improve the program of what it is to be a reserve deputy in Wells County, and the residents of Wells County step up and say, "Yes, I will, I, I will do this." You know, that could be a pretty powerful thing, and and I think that you know a lot of residents in Wells County would appreciate that. That's just. Yeah, and and I I get that. Um, again, I'm definitely open for sc- discussion. Uh, a factor to think about too, though, is the more you require out of a reserve, the less 
interest you're probably going to get because they have families and they have another full-time job. So there is a, there is a trick there because even getting full-time guys to apply to become a police officer nowadays is pretty difficult. You get, so when I applied, there was over 50 people that applied and, and I got hired. Now we're blessed if we have 10 for a full-time position. Why do you think that is? I think a lot of it, I think a couple of different reasons. Um, one is is the media, what they're doing to law enforcement. They're they're disintegrating the trust between the law enforcement and the community, which is sad because we are their brothers, their sisters, their fathers. We are them. You know what I'm saying? So, but they're but they're spreading all this bad information. Yes, there's a few bad ones out there, just like in any profession. But there's so many good ones, and and again having accountability having having elections that's great we have a sheriff election every four years making sure we have good leadership in there um that the the community can trust their local sheriff's department um but yeah so so i think the media is definitely disintegrating the trust in in wrongfully and illegitimately in our local law enforcement um you know but also i think again having your leadership the, your department feeling like they have your back is so important nowadays because there are situations where the chief or the sheriff is going, well, yeah, we're just going to suspend him, you know, and, and they show this division. And once they show that division between the, the leadership and their officer, those attorneys jump on in and go, yep, he did something wrong, even though the officer may have done everything right. So that leads me to a, a question here that um, came in from a, a person. What are your plans on building a strong relationship between the Wells County Sheriff's Department and the residents of Wells County? So you just talked about how the media is putting a wedge between that. And, you know, there may be more and more people in this county that don't trust the police as much as they used to. Is it going to be a priority of yours? And if so, how are you going to build that relationship back to the community as a department? Well, you know, it starts with leadership in the department. You know, as the leader goes, so goes the nation or the, the department. And so I think establishing, you know, a department where they, where, where the guys feel like they can trust me, the guys and gals, they feel like they can trust me as a leader and seeing how I lead and seeing what I'm pushing for, which will be, again, that these are people, you know, even if, you know, we're dealing with people in the community that have done wrong, okay, we've all done wrong. The Bible says that for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, Amen. you know, so, so we're, we got to recognize that we could be where they're at. We could be where they're at if we grew up with different life circumstances or different things. Now, it doesn't justify I'm not weak on crime. I feel like there needs to be accountability as well. Because we serve a God of justice. As, absolutely. Grace and truth. You know, yeah. so we, we have to have accountability there. But, you know, I, I've always tried to have that mindset of when you, you know, when you're dealing with someone, they're a person. They're a person that, that, again may have done wrong but you still treat them with respect and i've had so many people shake my hand when i deliver them to the sheriff's department to be you know intaked at the you know at the jail and they say thanks for thanks for being cool is what they say a lot of times and i know what they meant yeah. what they mean is i didn't just treat them as like hey you're another notch in my belt you know right. you actually care exactly yeah no that's good would be when you arrest somebody or you're, you're investigating something, but just for like the everyday citizen who is going to work, raising a family, you know, they see a sheriff car passing by their 
their house and they're like, oh no, like, you know, because of what the media or what the narrative is towards police department. Is there any plans or anything like that to just give the Wells County Sheriff Department a better light in the community in general? Does that make sense? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm definitely open to ideas if there's ideas on that. That's the first thing I say. Second thing is, you know, I think that'd be a great opportunity. Well, you know, I'll tell you what, whenever this COVID thing started, you know, I drove by the courthouse and this was a Saturday morning and I noticed the, the street vendors out that the, I'm not sure what they call that, the farmers, it's not, I don't know if it's a farmer's market. Yeah, but they're, we're at, at the courthouse. Yeah, at the yeah, courthouse. Yeah, it's a farmer's market. Okay, so, you know, I, I, I just, I wanted to get out and, and I just, you know, I walked around and, you know, this slide started like two years ago, you know, two summers ago and I'm just like, I just felt like I wanted the people to know I was there for them. I'm not there to judge them. I didn't care if they were wearing a mask or not. I just wanted to know that I was there for them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I just wanted them to feel like, hey, he's here for us and we feel yeah. safe. And that. And so I think those are, that would be a great way is, you know, whether you have a, a music festival in Liberty Center or, or, you know, something going on in, in Zanesville, you know, Feel free, and, and I've even seen where a few officers have gotten trouble in departments. You know, not on our department for this, but like for, you know, stopping and playing basketball with somebody, and they got rode up for for like, you know, it's like yeah. that's awesome. You yeah. get somebody that's out playing ball with some kid that's out there by himself at the park. That's great. Yeah. That's building a connection. You know, and I don't know if it still says this on all your guys' cars, but it used to say to serve and to protect, and it seems like that slogan to serve a lot of people would say they don't feel like the you know police departments or the sheriff departments really serve them you yeah. know because the only yeah. time they really ever see them is when they're in trouble and and you know again they deserve justice and it's not your problem that they're getting in trouble but seeing something like that i mean if i'm driving down the road and i look over and i see a deputy playing basketball like that would make me be like wow that is, that's amazing that is serving our community right there absolutely some people would look down on that though and but you know what again it's got it's knowing the end game here of building relationships and building trust with the community and i think you i think you just have to you know if people get complaining about kind of you just have to say hey look you know how do we build relationship with the community if we don't spend any time with them other than we're, when we're writing them a ticket or taking them to jail right <laughs> you know? yeah and you yeah. have to invest some time to get a return yeah that's good i i hope that uh if you win that, that that's something that the community starts seeing more of so the morale at the sheriff's department is at an all-time low what are your plans to bring it up, and how are you going to build a strong team with the deputies? Um, well, again, I already men mentioned the um, just overabundance of new policies that the sheriff has, has brought out, and you know that's his choice to do that. And I just want to also say right here is that I've always had a good relationship with the current sheriff. Um, he's a he's a real nice guy on a personal level, um, but he's he's. A little bit too into the the over policing of the department. Again, I, I I agree that there needs to be policies, but they have to be reasonable and they have to allow the deputies to do their job without having them focus on them too much. Um, you know, another a weakness of his that is it's not this is not a put down of him personally, but he's only spent four years on the road, 
actually going door to door, actually answering calls in that manner. And and again, he was blessed with some opportunities to, to get off the road and do some other things. But that's also gave kind of blocked his vision and his understanding of what it means to actually serve in that capacity. Again, this is not a put down of, of him choosing that path. That's great if that's what he liked. But now that he's in the sheriff position, he's got he, he he's not able to see clearly, um, you know, because he only spent four years patrolling. So he's more. Um, and again, um, nobody's here on this podcast is not saying that he's not a nice guy a good correct man. correct um, neither one of us are saying that correct however when you run for public office and you are a public you know you hold public office you do have to go through elections yes and that's a good thing and when you go through elections you're going to have somebody run against you who says hey look i am a better man for this job than you that's not personal that's just the way that it works. The, yeah, there should be no misunderstanding here that we are personally slamming the current sheriff. Correct. Because that's not what we're doing. Correct. At the same time, we want to know, Ryan, how are you going to be a better sheriff? So that's, the, that, yes. that's, that's what this is about when you run for office, right? And that's what you're saying right now is that yes. this is how I'm going to be a better sheriff. Yes, and along with, you know, the fact that he spent, you know, only four years on the road is that he um in the promotions um we were told um near the beginning when he got in is that if anybody wanted to get promoted they had to take some specific training okay in other words if you wanted to be considered for promotion there was a certain training that you had to take that was just a kind of a blanket statement so some guys took it some guys didn't um and this, and I just also, I want to preface, I want to preface two things before I, I go on with this, is first of all, two disclaimers, I'm not putting down anybody who has been promoted under the current sheriff by what I'm going to talk about, because there's been some good guys promoted, okay? So this has nothing to do with who was picked. Second thing is, this is not an area of sour grapes, because I did not apply for any of these promotions I'm talking about. So those, I just want to get those two things out. Yep. Um, However, the process has been fouled because um, so this training was required, and so then there was a promotional process, and there was there was interest in it, but they they end up this training that was mandated if you want promoted was ignored, and someone was put in a position um, that didn't have the training, and there was actually four processes where the, the that mandated training was ignored or one way or another. And, and I totally respect the sheriff or whoever's in, in leadership to pick who they think is best. I agree with that. But if you set certain standards, and again, this is what, what I, this is, goes back to morale. If you, certain, if you put up certain standards of re, or requirements to be promoted, you have to, you have to have consistency. You have to stick with them or throw them out and start all over. And so that happened four separate times. And I know that has been, um, that really rubbed the officers the wrong way. Again, I was not a part of any of those four processes. I didn't apply. This is not personal, but yet it is personal because that tells me, is this how we're going to run things? So again, back to my two disclaimers, I am not talking about, there, there's some good guys that's been promoted, nothing personal against them. It's the processes. You got, your guys have to know, how do I get ahead? How, how, do, how do I get promoted? How do I better myself? But if, you, if the ladder is missing the rungs when you get to it, what good does it do? Yeah. So, no, that's, that's good. And, you know, a lot of people, 
don't know that's going on. A lot of people aren't aware of it. You have to be on the inside to Correct. see that kind of stuff. Correct. People don't know what goes on in behind closed doors at my business, you know. But yes. the people who work there know. Yes. And and um, so it's the same situation. And, Correct. And there's there's some problems that you want to fix. Yes. Which leads me to this next question. What is the biggest problem with the current sheriff, and what are you going to do different? Um. Well, I, get, I feel like I kind of summed it up over multiple questions, but um, again, on the inside, it's it's it, morale issues, um, inconsistent promotion practices. Um, um, overall, um, whether he intends to or not, giving the guys or the, the gals, the people working the sheriff's department, the feeling at least that they are supported and backed in their jobs. That's the biggest problem internally. Um, and so, uh, you know, again, I, if you if you talk to people that work at the sheriff's department that, that know me at, well at all, I'm one of the most consistent people. <laughs> they they just I, I do things pretty much the same every time. As but you know, I, I'm, I'm an outside the box thinker, but I like to. I'm a routine guy, and I feel like fairness. And I think I got it from my parents. My parents have always tried to be really fair with every kid. You know, trying to you know you buy Bobby a balloon, you buy Sally a balloon, you know, kind of thing. And I think it, it, it's back to management. You you got to treat everybody fair. Okay. And then outside of it, that's inside. Yeah, so biggest problem, so things I've mentioned outside, um, here's something we haven't mentioned, but the, the threat of persecution against parents who want to speak up at school board meetings, I mean, that's the most ludicrous thing. I mean, these schools are supposed to work for us. And, you know, this threat, and sometimes, you know, a lot of this, some of this stuff doesn't even pass into law, but just putting it out there, you know, makes people think it's the law. And so schools or businesses start reacting to that and that's just rotten in itself and and i mean so that that's a problem that's something i want to protect the rights of parents to be able to you know we're not arresting someone who wants to go speak out at school or meeting yeah they can't go scream and yell and threaten with a weapon you know right. that's a different issue right but but the right of free free speech to speak at their own child's school that seems pretty basic um, the threat of dissolving the Second Amendment again that's a, that's a huge one for me um, and then you know the threat of you know yeah government taking away our our, our legally owned guns that, and you know and then the you know again one of the biggest ones to me again and a lot of these are linked. Because you lose the Second Amendment, well, you're probably going to lose your your freedom of re religion and and the ability to worship too. Right. And so, yeah, that's that's one of my biggest ones is and freedom of speech. Yes, absolutely. Those the First Amendment has so many great rights, and and that the Second Amendment one. is what keeps them. Yes, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Um, now I'm going to just switch gears a little bit here for a second. So let's talk about community corrections for a second. So community corrections, my understanding is it's a program to like where you have, you put people on probation, um, you do house arrest. And so both of us are, we agree that justice needs to happen. Correct. I don't think it's ever been the right way necessarily to show that justice in every circumstance is just to be quick to throw somebody in jail. I don't think human beings were created to, um, to live out a life in a cage. Okay. Um, I don't, I think that is cruel and unusual. And this is just me speaking. 
having said that, um, well, we could get into a lot of different things. Well, then what would you do? But one thing that we could do on some of the lesser nonviolent stuff, I mean, you guys, the crimes, you guys know this better than me, but we have community corrections where you could go on house arrest. Um, the thing I like about house arrest is that it allows for the mom to still be in the house. It allows and to be a mom and to be a provider for her family, um, if that's what she is. It allows the dad to still be in the house. He's still serving justice. He's, he's, he's paying for his crime, but he's still allowed to be a dad. He's still allowed to provide for his family, and he's still allowed to do the things he's to, created to do. So I'm kind of a big uh, supporter of, of house arrest and, and, and doing justice that way as much as possible, just for those reasons, because you don't take the, the humanity out of the person. Being locked in a cell for the rest of your life, that's, that, that's what we do to animals, right? We don't do that to human beings, or we shouldn't, in my opinion. Even though, like, so what do you do then, Matt, when somebody goes out and commits murder? Well, I think they should probably be put to death. Because that's what Agreed. God has given. God's a God of justice. And he's given the sword to the government to wield his justice. And when you do crimes like that, whether, I'll just say it, whether it's murder, rape, molesting a child. Like, I think those crimes should be put to death. I think putting them in a cage for the rest of their life is cruel and humane. And, I don't, and, and, and so they need to pay for their crime. And they need to, not that you get any lenient, you get, you know, but they do pay for their crime and it's with their life. And instead of locking them away and wasting a lot of taxpayer dollars on making sure that they're as comfortable as possible and locked in a cage for the rest of their life. Um, so I'm not talking about those crimes. What I am talking about are the crimes that, um, that people get thrown in jail for and it's not necessarily a crime that they need to be locked up in a cage because you get locked up in you go to jail you go to prison there's no rehabilitation there there generally right and and not only is there no rehabilitation like you're locked up with criminals that just help you to become a Correct. Worse, not probably even a better criminal because they all <laughs> reoffend correct but uh but uh but uh but a uh, a worse criminal yeah. And and so my question and it's a long one, I apologize. My question is this, Ryan. I think that and I've been hearing that there are some doubts with how um with confidence from some uh some people that the 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 community Christians program isn't as strong as what it should be. So therefore, it's not allowing some people to go onto it and they're getting thrown in jail. Where do you stand on community corrections and what are your plans if you support that to make it better so that judges can have more confidence in the program and know that there's going to be proper surveillance, proper um, um, rehabilitation? What, 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 what all goes along with that? Are you, where do you stand on that issue? Well, I'm not going to act like I know more than I do. Yeah. Um, and so I have not been involved with this issue. I have heard there's problems with the community correction program. But again, I'm not privy to that on the inside. And so 
I do agree with what you're saying. There are some crimes, um, and it, well, and let's just say this: you know, there are people that commit crimes because of situations. Um, you know, whether it's um, you know somebody's struggling to to feed their family. Let's just say, let's just say there's someone struggling to feed their family, and so they're stealing things, and they're literally trying to feed their family. You know, and that can be proven. You know, and and it all comes together. They get arrested, but that all comes out in the wash. That's someone who I feel like is would be a better person to be on house arrest and be like, hey, you did wrong. You're going to pay this back, but we're going to put you on house arrest so you can be a responsible father and husband in your home. Yeah. Okay, so so I, I I'm with you on that. Um, and then there's other people um, that don't that don't follow through, and and it's amazing how many people we arrest that's on house arrest. You know, I mean, one day we arrest a guy who was on house arrest and he he was drunk. Or he was high. He had he was dealing drugs. Had multiple drugs in his vehicle. I mean, just all kinds of stuff going on. And he's got a house arrest bracelet on. You know, it's like this is not working for him. Right. right. <laughs> so again, I'm not going to sit here and try to to pretend I know the problems ins and outs because I don't. But well, now, I, if you're sheriff, you'll probably learn them. Won't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, would you want to improve that program, or what, what's your thoughts on the program? Well, again, I'm not going to act like I know more than I do. Um, I mean, do you like the idea of it? Do you, you, you like the idea of fathers and mothers being able, and even you know, kids, young adults, um, being able to pay justice, but yet at the same time. Yes, I, I think that, you know, again, this comes back to thinking in the big picture. Every person that gets arrested is a human. Um, and, and I could have ended up like them. We got to keep that in mind. Um, and so we got it, but we have to look at where they're at. You know, are they are they on a spree or a lifestyle of that crime where they don't really care? Because there's some people they they blame you the whole way to the jail. Well, you're going to have to take care of my kids. You're this, you're that. And you know that person is going to be back. Right. Versus people that apologize and like, you know, I messed up. And and you have hope for those people. You're like, I think this guy gets it or this gal gets it. She she realizes that she messed up. She's got to live her life different. You know, you can't keep doing the same thing and expect different results. So I, I like the approach of, again, I think we are all, God made us all different. And I think we need to examine each situation individually. And, and we, you know, again, the nonviolent crimes, the ones where people are showing responsibility, they, maybe they got off the track, you know, whatever crime they committed, again, not serious crimes, murder and stuff. But, and if we can put them on house arrest, I think that's a great idea because to destroy a family in the process, now you might even create more criminals yeah, by throwing dad in prison. And now mom's got to support. So she starts selling herself prostitution. Yeah. Now we got that issue going right. on. And now you got bad examples. You got kids not seeing their dad, mom selling herself. Yeah. And that, that's what happens. Yes. I mean, that, that is what happens. Right. So, um, situational, situational yes i think we have to examine each situation and and consider that as an option though as well all right well you know why i think those are about all the questions i did have a question here if you want to get into it i know we're over our time a little bit um but i did have a question and i think i probably should ask it um i had a gideon reach out to me sure and they were wondering they said it's been two years since they've been able to go in there and minister the gospel to the inmates and they were wanting to get back in and I don't know if there's any signs of that happening now. I don't know what the inside situation is. But if you're a sheriff, and I know we have a pandemic. I know that there's a virus going around. 
Um, but I also know that the best medicine for anybody is the gospel. I agree. Um, and so where are you at on letting Gideon's back into the jail? I, that is definitely something I am going to see what I could do if I become the sheriff to get that done. Cause I think that's so important. Like you said, people don't generally get rehabilitated in jail and especially in jail jails don't have the, pr- the programs you know prisons you can get college degrees you there's different programs ged classes and the local jails because of the nature of short-term stays generally just can't keep all that stuff you know they can't afford to put that in for short term and, and all that um but that one in itself is something that is so critical if you're really going to make a difference in someone's life being able to um share together in spiritual fellowship and hear the gospel in in, um, in those set situations I think is is so important in and truly changing lives and and reducing the recidivism rate of some of these people yeah. so when you say you'll see what you can do like obviously when you're sheriff you can do whatever you want when it comes to that what what are you going to do well um, <laughs> Again, you know, I think it's talking to the jail commander and, and the people who, you know, and how can we how can we make this happen? That that's going to be my approach. How can we make this happen? I think it's pretty established that, you know, you're there's some things you can do to protect yourself from getting sick, but at the same time, there's no 100% guarantee. So I think we need to start living life and running from our fears. Um, you know, hospitals have to take a little tighter stance. They got sick people to begin with, and, and there's a lot of things there. But, you know, I, I hate to see these people that are losing their relatives and their loved ones and, and even hospitals or nursing homes, and there's no visits, you know. Again, we're, we're starting to let up on that stuff. But so I, I think that, you know, I think that that, that is going to be a big priority. I, I'm going to see what I can do to make um, it possible for Gideons to come in. Okay. And I share the gospel. All right. Um, so is there anything that you would like to add or say that I did not get to? You know, we covered a lot. I, I um, you know, I, I don't think so. Um, I, I am open for discussion about these or other topics. They can go to my website, MuncieForSheriff.com, and, and submit questions. Um, I'm not a perfect individual, but I've tried to be fair and consistent in my career and, and um, care about people. Um, I've got a heart for people in this community and this nation. Um, and again, I just know how important our constitution is to keeping us free. And I want to do what I can if, if elected to uh, ensure that happens in our county. So obviously we know when you run for office, you need volunteers, you need money, you need all kinds of things that's going to run a, a good campaign. Where can people go if they want to support you in either volunteering or giving to your campaign, um, I believe uh, on my on my website it has a PO box. I believe it's five seventy seven, but go double check that to make sure. <laughs> and um, and um, you can you can send donations to that um, PO box um, towards my campaign. Um, and then if you're willing to help in some way, feel free to contact me. Uh, I have a phone number on there as well. It's a cell phone number. Um, you can call or text, and I'll try to reply within twenty four hours. Um, and uh, we'll talk about maybe what they can do to help support my campaign. All right. So I'm on your website right now. And yes, 
Maybe you need to have like this button on there that's just big and you click on there and that's the first thing you see is give. Well, you know, donate. I honestly, that's something I struggle with because I'm not a self-promoting person by nature and I just, it, it's honestly a little uncomfortable to, to come out here and say, hey, look at me, vote for me. I'm just, that's just not me. If you know me, I just, and the Bible says that, you know, I think it's James 4.10, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. You know, I mean, I'm not. The glory goes to him for whatever good I may be able to do for this community. Absolutely, that's good. Um, I I agree. I know what you're saying. Um, however, I also know that if you're the right man for the job, and you know you're the right man, that's not pride all the time. That's that that that's um, knowing that you're doing what the Lord wants you to do. And if that if you if you, if you know that this is what God is calling you to do then go to the rooftops and sh shout it, man. Shout it loud. You know, go after it. Um, that's I don't think that's being prideful or arrogant. I think that's um, going after what you feel and know is right in your heart, and you're going to see it through and give it the best shot you possibly can. Well, I feel like God has called me to run. I don't know if he's called me to win. We're going to find <laughs> out on May 3rd. <laughs> so, hey. According to the voters uh, and uh, the Lord's hand. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, the P.O. Box is uh, 577. That's Bluffton, Indiana, 46714. And um, his website is MuncieForSheriff.com, and that is spelled Mounsey, yes. but it's pronounced Muncie. <laughs> And that is M-O-U-N-S-E-Y for Sheriff.com. So, Ryan, thank you so much for sitting down. I really think that the community is going to really be eager to hear what you have to say. Um, everything we talked about, I think we covered a lot. I, I'm sure there's more we can get to at some point if we have to. But um, thank you for your time. Thank you for taking time away from your family, away from your campaign and coming in and sitting down with me for this amount of time and doing this with me. I appreciate it, and I wish you the best. Well, thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you.